Okay, hello climate change. This is Amy Kalisher, waking up and taking action one conversation at a time. And I'm about to call my guests for today. And we'll jump right into the conversation. My name is Jeremy Clark. I'm in the seventh grade at Northwest Academy and I'm 12 years old. And I'm Charlie Abrams, a seventh grader at Selwood Middle School. And I'm 13 years old. We have been really interested in climate change since around fourth or fifth grade. Um, I saw a National Geographic magazine when I was in fourth grade. um, And, you know, the images um, and the the future portrayed in the issue really scared me. And I felt that I needed to do something about it. Um, So I gave a speech to my fourth grade class and Charlie thought um, that it was really cool. Um, So we talked about it and, um, and that's sort of how it began. That's great. And so, and Charlie, so tell us what you were thinking hearing his speech. So uh, I thought it was pretty cool that he was speaking in front of the whole class and he was planning to speak in front of the whole school. Uh, And I was just one in the audience and I kind of wanted that to change. So over the summer, we started like brainstorming ideas, ideas of what we could do together to try and fight climate change. But at that point, we were only nine. Yeah. So we decided that we like had to start small. So our best idea that we had was making a blog. So which we, continues today. Yeah. Um, it's called twogreenleaves.org. Our main goal is to try and educate people on the internet, like what cli- uh, about what climate change is and uh, how it affects people in the world and what they can do to help stop it. And so that's what you started when you were nine. And then you did some more things since then. Do you want to talk about those? Yeah, we called OPB. And what does that stand for? Uh, it's Oregon Public Broadcasting. Okay. Just like it's like radio station. And uh, after the interview, some people just like found out about us, uh, mainly Oregon Climate. That's now our climate. And once they found out about us, they uh, wanted us to join their organization. And that's pretty much where we like took off. Our climate is a organization that focuses on putting a price or cap on carbon dioxide. And um, I'm sure you know this, but um, for the listeners, they, um, a cap on carbon dioxide um, or a price on carbon dioxide is when um, the major polluters have to pay a fee for every ton of carbon dioxide that they produce. And um, a cap on carbon dioxide is simply you have a limit on how much uh, carbon dioxide you can produce. They've been fighting really diligently for um, several years now. It's been really cool to be part of that experience. And is that is that just in Oregon or is that um, a bigger organization? They started out uh, being called Oregon Climate mm-hmm. and they focused Uh, Their main part was lobbying in Oregon, trying to pass Senate bills. And now they branched out, changed their name to Our Climate. And uh, they're actually letting us go to Washington, D.C. That's that's Citizens Climate Lobby. 
Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Um, but yeah, they have gone national and spread out to several different states. Uh, I think Paige is in New York and Camila is in Washington, D.C. So we just have a lot of people in different places um, all fighting for the same thing. Yeah, I know about Citizens Climate Lobby. There's a group that meets near me there, as you were starting to say, go to D.C. and lo- lobby for a carbon um, offset, like a, a exactly what you guys are doing with the organization that you're, both of these organizations that it sounds like you're part of now. So um, so tell me more. It's like I have so many different questions, but um, I'll just tell you some of the things that come to my mind. I'm curious about what it's like with kids your age when you talk about this, what it's like with your parents and siblings, if you have siblings um, and teachers and, um, um, and then also just what your perspective, you were saying that, I mean, you definitely have, you have to have some kind of hope if you're going to work on this stuff or else you just have to really see how desperate the situation is that it has to happen. So I'm just really curious to hear more about where you guys are coming from and what you face every day when you're thinking about this stuff. Do you want to start us off, Charlie? Well, uh, my friends, like most of them think it's pretty cool. And like, even if they never went to elementary school with Jeremy, they still like know who he is from like word of mouth and stuff. Since like, there's no other kids that really do the stuff that we do that go to like my school. So we're just kind of like different in that regard. So it's kind of cool. I think that um, the community that we live in is really supportive of what um, we've been doing. Mm -hmm. And I I think um, that's a really good thing to have because um, it's a lot easier to get your message across to people who um, to people who um, agree with you and support you. Um, And so I think that's definitely an advantage that our community has been really um, really great and they've been helping us um, do the things that we've been wanting to do and getting our message out. Is there, is there anything that gets you frustrated or discouraged? Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Tell me um, about president. Um, oh yeah. Trump is the president. I get, you said. Yeah. I get frustrated just by things that go on in the world, if the entire lifetime of the earth um, was 24 hours of a full day, humans have been here for three seconds. Right. And so it sort of frustrates me that in three seconds or in proportion to a day, humans have sort of made a, a big mess um, in, in the world. And so that's sort of just hard to think about. And um, sometimes that frustrates me a little. Yeah, that's, that makes sense to me. Yeah. How about you? Uh, well, it kind of makes me mad that some people, they can't focus on things that will affect them later. Like if you're starving and you're like, you don't want to think about things like you, you don't want to think about building a shelter. You want to think about getting food. Mm-hmm. And that's like the only thing that's on your mind. 
like shelter might like come to you later on, but food is what's on your mind because it's relevant to you at that point. So it's kind of the same with climate change. Climate change is not that relevant. Like it's happening, but people can't see the effects if they're not directly affected by it. And even to the people that are affected by it, they don't even realize that it's climate change sometimes. And just because it's not like a big thing, like a package that happens at your door, it's just slowly like the water's going away and there's droughts. And it's not just like a big effect that just slaps you in the face. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like, it's not like one day you get um, a letter in the mail saying, hello, my name is climate change. I'm affecting you. (laughs) It happens happens over time. I think another um, thing about climate change um, that makes it a lot harder uh, for it to be solved is, you know, a lot of people, I mean, sort of, you know, they have a job, they have, wife they have kids you know they're busy they got to do stuff and at that point I mean they they just have a lot of stuff to do and I don't think climate change um at that point is relevant even though um it doesn't seem relevant but it really is and I think um that's one of the reasons that climate change could be ignored and put to the side uh, because it doesn't seem to be happening now although it is yeah, I, I, one of the the conversations I had recently was with with the president of the Weather Channel, who I actually grew up with. Like I, when I was your age, we were classmates, and he was saying he's been having lots of conversations with people about climate change, and he his he said that he feels like eighty five percent of the people that he talks to um, accept it and know it's happening and know it's bad, but they can't really see they don't really get how bad it is or how important it is to address and that's where the gap is and yeah i you mentioned trump jeremy and it does feel like there's no room in our media lately for for this topic how about your parents are they activists also or what what inspired you i mean because the thing that i notice a lot is that people forget that they have any power and or they don't feel like they have any power like i'm kind of curious to know if you have a sense of where you decided not just being upset about it but actually the having this feeling like there was actually something you could do everything we go to if it's not like a children's climate lobby or something like that it's we're the only kids in the room and we're the only youth even like within a mile radius of what we're doing And it kind of seems like it's not what people would think that we don't have power since we're just kids in a room full of adults. It's almost like the other way around. I think a lot of kids our age sort of um, forget that even though they can't vote, they're still part of a representative democracy, meaning that they're still permitted to go to the Capitol and lobby or testify. They're still permitted to, you know, speak out, call their legislators they're permitted to do all that. So, like they're actually their voice is more powerful than an adult's uh, because they're the people who are going to see these effects firsthand um, in the future and now. Actually, I saw like this video of like a blind person riding a bike, and to me that's like that's amazing. Like how do you not like hit something 
And it's like, that's really cool. But if I was riding a bike, it's nothing. Cause everyone that's like me rides a bike. So it's kind of like that while we're testifying or lobbying, like there's like hundreds of people lobbying, but we're the only kids there. So we stand out and can make more of an impact. My brother uh, does, is also pretty involved um, in the environment. He's actually very concerned um, about the salmon because they're a Keystone species. And around in Oregon, their, um, their numbers are very low. It's not good um, because if they die, then uh, a whole ecosystem could collapse. So he also volunteers every summer at the Oregon Zoo. Um, he's uh, called the Zoo Team. And he heard um, a study from there that um, whenever kids are speaking about something, um, something, you know, uh, that's happening in the current world, the current events, people acknowledge them more and consider their ideas more. That's so good to hear because it, I feel like in daily life that people listen to kids less. But when you, when you as a kid speak up about serious issues, maybe that flips things. You know, if you're trying to talk about your rights in school to your teacher, they may not take you as seriously because they hear it all the time or something because that's the only one who's going to speak up. I don't know if what I'm saying makes sense, but, um, but I yeah. think that's, it does. <laughs> Good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's really great. And then the other thing that I think is, you know, useful for us adults who is to see if you guys are speaking up and it sort of makes us feel like, well, if they can do it, you know, why, what's getting in my way? Because I don't need to ask for, for a ride, you know, and I don't, I don't need to, to get somebody's help to, to make things happen. And, you know, like you guys have different hurdles. I think it's, it's probably inspiring as well as it is informative. Do you feel like you see things differently than the adults who are concerned about this issue? Do you feel like there's a, a dis, there's like a disconnect in any way, or are you all on the same page? It's just sometimes like adults talking about climate change. It's great that they're taking action and they're being affected by it now, just not in as drastic ways that we will be affected by it. And it's not like an if statement. It's a definite, we will be affected by it. And I think that since we're going to be impacted by it the most, it almost does make sense that there's not that many kids talking about this issue and this involved in climate change. I think a lot of... Uh a lot of adults who are concerned about climate change have um, kids. Uh, they um, and I think the reason why a lot of adults uh, with kids are concerned about climate change is because um, because of basic human tendencies to uh, feel um, what others are feeling, and of course, be worried about your child um, if a dark future is portrayed. I know what one young person who's made a his own little like um presentation like PowerPoint presentation about uh, animals and species that are going extinct as a way of getting into like to to talk about climate change like there's so many different angles you can talk about drought you can talk about heat you can talk about 
um, agriculture, you could talk about air quality. Is there, do you feel like you find yourself thinking about any particular um, concerns? Like, well, you said, I think it was Jeremy, were you saying your brother was looking at salmon? Um, yeah. Is there other things that you find yourself thinking about that are specific impacts? I tend to think about, um, I mean, I've, I've thought about all of the um, effects of climate change, but I tend to think about um, the ones that will hit close to home, the ones that uh, we'll see here in Portland. And the two big ones um, that we'll see in Portland, um, of course, we'll see uh, the same the same stuff that all, all all of the world will be seeing. You know, we'll have you know a failing economy. We'll have um, dying crops. You know, all um, all of those things that the whole world will be seeing. But we'll um, we'll also be seeing Portland will become a more suitable environment for mosquitoes, meaning that diseases like Zika and um, malaria and other diseases carried by mosquitoes will be spread much more easily. And also, um, Portland will basically become a coast, um, and it might actually become, uh, it might actually be submerged. Um, it really depends. Um, and so that, that sort of scares me. Um, and, you know, I've thought about, Maybe when I grow up, I could just move to uh, Upper Michigan and uh, get a, um, some property there and like build a house and stuff. But you know, none of that's going to change that the whole world will be affected by by climate change. Yeah, and and parts of the world are really really feeling it already, but they're they don't have as much privilege, you know, as we have in this country where we reap the benefits of a lot of poor people's labor all over the world. So having people who are not directly affected by it and, and in survival mode, like you guys were talking about at the beginning, um, you know, when people are in, in the mode of, they have to think about food where they're going to get food they yeah, they don't have enough space in their mind to think about shelter. Um, like I think that was a really good, point but when you have the space then it's easy to just rather do something that's fun yeah yeah do you feel like there are sacrifices that you're making to be able to have a voice in this I think there are quite a few sacrifices because I've had to miss a few days of school to go to testify or lobby or uh, do something uh, some other climate change event and that's a sacrifice of uh, a bit of my education, as well as, you know, I mean, it's a lot of work outside, uh, outside of school as well. And, you know, there's a lot of writing involved, lots of FaceTime calls uh, between Charlie and I, you know, organizing something or writing a blog article. And so I think there are some sacrifices, but I think it's going to pay off. And also, I think that both uh, Charlie and I have learned so much from uh, this journey. I think the stuff that we're learning now isn't stuff that you can learn in school quite as much. 
like for example, I have a class called Project Citizen, um, and we learn a lot about like what it takes to be a citizen, you know, how our country works, but we don't ever get to go to the Capitol and lobby and be actually part of that system. And so I think that we've been learning uh, so much that these sacrifices uh, have definitely paid off both for our future and for what we've learned from it. Mm. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about what it's been like. I know that you said you, you've spoken to your governor and, and it sounds like there are others. Um, what was that like the first time you did that? The first major, um, public speaking thing we did was on OPB. We, at that point we were in fifth grade. We had like a small blog. It never got very many views and we called them about at least two months ago and we were like positive that like they might not even have heard the call and then I think it was when Jeremy was in Hawaii he got the call that they wanted us on OPB and that really surprised us and then going on uh just skipping school to go on like a big podcast like that was kind of nerve-wracking and uh, we were both pretty nervous, I think. But after the first interview, they all just seemed like a lot easier, more like just a conversation than like a big interview you have to be like prepped and ready for. Right. And I think and I think the reason we're talking about OPB so much is that OPB was sort of like what got us. That's where things started to get real. And that's that's at the point where we went from just a blog to um, going into the actual climate community um, and meeting people and lobbying and uh, organizing and doing more writing and calling and all sorts of that sort of that stuff. So OPB was sort of um, when things got real. And so how did that transition happen after you spoke on OPB? Um, did you hear from people that pulled you into other stuff or how did that, what happened next? Uh, right after OPB, uh, Oregon climate called me, uh, and I was really surprised because, uh, my family, like my cousins and my aunts listened to the interview, but I wouldn't think that like a major organization like that, uh, would like maybe even hear it. But OPB and Oregon Climate, those were the two things that set us off because um, Oregon Climate, they've had all the, we would have never really lobbied without them. We wouldn't have done a lot of the stuff that we can say we did today without them. And just being a part of them helped us like learn a lot more and it gave us so many public speaking engagements that must have like it boosted my confidence a lot. I can say that our climate is, um, and many other, uh, climate change organizations, um, are really great for, um, uh, their, uh, especially our climate is a really great platform for making your voice heard. And so I'm really, um, I'm really glad that they were able to give us the resources and the tools that we needed to 
get our voices uh, heard. Yeah, people like my age, they'll leave comments and emails on the blog that will say like, well, I'm a kid, I'm passionate about climate change. I don't like the effects that I can already see, but I just don't know what to do about it. And I say like every time, like even you said, you're in Connecticut. I didn't even know that Citizens Climate Lobby was in Connecticut. But people can, if you really want to get your voice heard, you can, there's a lot of local organizations about climate change near you. And even if we joined our climate and we were the only kids there, I think the closest person of age to us was definitely at least over 20. He might've been in college or maybe even out of college. And like, it doesn't seem like that'd be a place for nine-year-olds to join. But if you're passionate about climate change, it doesn't matter what age you are. You can join any place you want if they accept you. They will. They yeah, will. They will. Because, mm-hmm. um, they can't, um, it's extremely ironic if a climate change organization um, says to a, a kid, no, you can't, um, you can't speak on behalf of our organization because you're a kid, even though you're being affected, you're going to be affected by um, this issue more than any of us. Yeah, I think I can't imagine a climate change uh, environmental organization not being excited to have kids who want to speak be a voice, find their voice on this topic, because it is very compelling and important. And it really is, you know, there's like, you, I'm sure you've heard about kids who are suing the government for... Not oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, our Children's Trust is actually suing, the, I think, the federal government um, over not uh, protecting their future. Right. Yeah, I haven't looked to see how that's going, but it seemed like it went. It's going well so far. Yes. Yeah. What do you know? Not too much, but I know that it is going well. Yeah, yeah. That's the last that I heard too. Here's something I wonder: Is there something that you feel like? Are you going to to like organizing meetings um, of that of our climate and and what's that like to be part of that? that experience and you know what how do you think it goes with a group of people trying to think together about about um what they're going to do next just being a part of our climate and going to their work sessions you can like get your voice heard really easily uh i remember they were planning for this giant mosaic of a salmon that was the tiles were made from kids across Oregon and it was a really great idea. Um, they made another one like that. It's a really great idea. And they were brainstorming of what to do there. And they said they wanted someone to public speak. And I said that me and Jeremy would want to do it. And like, it wasn't even a question. They're like, sure, that sounds great. Because just like any opportunity, like if you take it, they won't like deny you of it. Sorry, what was the question? I didn't quite hear it. Um, I, I guess I'm just wondering what it was like if you guys are going to their meetings when they're planning. Um, I guess, I guess I'm just I'm not really sure what to ex- ask exactly because I'm not sure what the experience is like for you. But I'm I'm just 
one thing that I personally struggle with is I don't, I feel reluctant to go into groups because I have a, a fear of like, of feeling like somebody, like somebody's controlling it in a way that, that doesn't, I don't think work or people are talking, someone talks too much and doesn't give another person a chance to talk. Those kind of dynamics that happen in groups are, are stressful for me. And I'm just curious what it's like, what, what you, what your guys experiences of that kind of thing. It doesn't sound like you're having that experience. Well, our, um, our climate, it's their work sessions aren't very big. So it's not that like much like, you're trying to get your voice heard and everyone's talking over you. And it's also like a really good environment because the people there are like, they're really great. And it's not like they, they have like the same opinion as you. They, we, they all have very similar opinions, of course, about climate change and also about getting people's voices heard and just things like that. On the topic of organizing with them, uh, I think I've been to like one organizing meeting, um, and I'm not I'm not very good at organizing apparently uh, because um, I didn't really know what was going on. Uh, they were talking about you know sort of the um, more complicated things about the organization that I wasn't really aware of, um, and so um, we we don't really do, um, organizing with our climate, but, um, we do, we help out with getting the message across. Mm, I see. So what what messages, um, I feel like there's probably several messages, but what messages are most important to you to get across? Well, a big part of why we made two green leaves and why we're in our climate is to inspire people because, um, being youth, you can ex- you can inspire people really easily. Seeing the affected generation speaking about something that affects them, the message that I I like to get across the most is um even and I, I I'm pretty sure I said this before, but even though you uh, if you're a kid and you can't vote, um, you're still a part of representative democracy, right. and you can still um, you can still call your legislators. You can still write letters to your legislators. You can still lobby. You can still testify. You can still sign petitions. You can still um, publicly speak. You can still do all of that stuff, even if you can't vote. And your vote will be just as or more powerful than any other um, adult's voice in the issue. Do you get a chance to talk to groups of kids much? Some of our public speaking has been in front of schools. I think we've spoken at, at most only like three schools. We don't really get asked to do that that much. I think part of the reason is because, actually, I don't know why the reason is, because um, people need to be inspired when they're young. Like, Jeremy got inspired by a, just a magazine. Like, that's all it took to get all of this started. So when you're a kid, you can, like, people go through phases of, like, loving dinosaurs and, like, space. 
And because kids can change their opinion really easily, as you've probably seen, and uh, it's just really important to speak at places like that because their ears are open and it's important to talk to them. Yeah, I think that's so true. Yeah, and it's I guess probably one of the challenges is that the adults who kind of control what happens, say, in a school, like, you know, who make the exception that everyone's going to get out of class for a little while to listen to somebody speak, they have to be really thinking it's important to make it happen. So there has to be something that convinces them that's that that's that's good do you guys get to um be in touch at all with other young activists on this topic we we know a few uh people um some of my friends uh miko and isaac are part of the um organization that i mentioned called our children's trust um and we also um one of my friends at school, um, I didn't, I didn't want to miss any more school. Um, so I asked one of my friends who I know is an excellent speaker. Um, I asked him, uh, if he could go, uh, lobby at the Capitol on behalf of Charlie and I, we don't know too many people who are our age and are, uh, sort of climate change activists, but I think that's all right because we have, uh, so many other people and activists surrounding us and uh, supporting what we do. Kind of like what Jeremy said, we don't personally know that many people, but that could just be bad luck that we don't know that many kids involved in climate change. But over the blog, I've got, I know at least 30 emails about kids oh more than 30 yeah about kids that say hey i'm yeah i'm really passionate about climate change and i don't know what to do and uh there's not that many kids like me so like what should i do and stuff like that Mm -hmm. so it's not like we're the only ones we just don't like physically know that many people at our school but they're definitely out there Mm -hmm. oh that's good that's good then the blog is really like become a place where people can find you and yeah the blogs are the blogs are really good like home base you know yeah Mm -hmm. we have a section on there called the guest section and it's kind of new so we don't have that many articles it's it's actually pretty old just we haven't really had that many guests on it yeah but one of them is of these uh, they were fifth graders, now they're, like three I fifth graders. They must now be sixth graders, something like that. Yeah, but they were, they were just like another person that we ran into. I don't know how at this point, but it just shows that like people are out there, and if you think you're the only one, and there's not much that you can do, then that's not true because there's enough people that you'll still get your voice heard and to see someone speak about climate change is still empowering, but there's still enough people that you can talk to them and you know that they're out there. My mind just went back to the salmon tile thing that you guys were talking about before. And, um, and what I like about that is 
because I'm an artist also, um, is that the role of art in this is important. I was just kind of curious to hear, like, do you have any thoughts about um, how doing something like that is helpful? Uh, art can really like portray a big part in climate change because the salmon mosaic, it had all the big parts. It had kids, art, and like climate change all in one because it had kids across in middle schools, elementary schools, even some high schools, just drawing pictures that were, some of them were just plain red on cardboard. And some of them had little designs about what they loved about Oregon. And they combined all that to make just a giant mosaic of a salmon. And it showed that like we're all, like it shows that power combined can lead to just great things. And it was just, yeah, really good because they've done this before in both times. It's just left a really large impact with like the mayor going there and things like that. Charlie and I at that event actually ended up, uh, we, we spoke at that event and uh, we, to prove our point, we, we uh, put on waders and light jackets over our formal clothes um, to prove a point that um, if climate change continues to go at the rate um, that it is going at, then um, we might have to <laughs> wear, wear things like this if we want to go to work um, uh, because of floods. Right. And to wear um, Jeremy's size six boots. <laughs> so I took, yeah, you can tell that I was committed at that point. <laughs> my feet, no, they were size, they were size yeah, four. Yeah, something maybe. really small. Like my that. feet are like size six now. <laughs> so they were probably, they were four at that time. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> that sounds tight. Uh, I have two more questions for you that are coming to mind right now. Who knows? I might think of something else, but, um, the first one is I would like to hear it's sort of two parter highlights or, and, or most challenging things that you've experienced in this journey of taking on this topic. Well, I think one of the major highlights has just been part of Oregon climate when we've been lobbying with them, because you can meet, uh, Last time or two times ago, we met the governor, Kate Brown, and that was like a great experience to show that like you can affect people when you're 10, people that like 10 year olds would never meet, like the governor, like people in the Senate and the House of Representatives, and you can talk to them face to face and ask them to pass a bill that some people, most people my age have never even heard of. I think a highlight of my experience um, on climate change was uh, lobbying, or no, sorry, testifying at uh, the Oregon Capitol. And um, I think it was really cool to see that uh, every politician on that committee was uh, dedicated to keeping my future bright. 
and um, they proved uh, they proved that they were dedicated to keeping my future bright. Just yesterday, when they passed um, the bill that I was testifying for, unanimously out of committee, wow. and that bill was Senate Bill Five Five Seven, which is a cap and price on carbon dioxide. That's great. And it's great to see that because that's the one that our climate, that's been their main goal to put a cap on carbon and the cap and trade policy. That's just been their biggest thing. And to see it go to committee in Oregon was just a really big thing. Yeah, that's wonderful. Um, that's inspiring for all of us in other states as well. And every time one state takes something on, you know, it just makes it the other people realize that we could do the same, you know, so I love that. Yeah, it shows that it could be done. Yeah. What is the next thing, like the next challenge for you? What is it that you're kind of trying to figure out now and that you that you feel challenged by? The next challenge that we have is Charlie and I are going to go to Washington, D.C. after uh, school gets out, and we're going to lobby on a national level. Um, and I think that that's going to be a really cool experience, but I think um, that's also going to pose some challenges because I think that I'll get uh, very nervous, mm. I think. Um, yeah, lobbying in Oregon, it just, like, even though I haven't met, like, at least the half, like, a lot of the people we talk to, it just feels like like they're just hours away in a car drive and they somehow feel local, even though they're in Salem and we live in Portland and it just doesn't feel that nerve wracking since we've lobbied before in Oregon, but then like Washington DC is like a whole nother level. Yeah. Once, once you get to Washington DC, like that's, that's a big deal. Yeah. I guess it's, um, but they're just people. They're also just yeah, yeah. But there's I can understand. I can understand how, <laughs> how you would feel that way. I would feel that way too. Um okay, so final question is really just it's sort of a wide open, you know, what what else is there anything else you'd like to say? Uh I have a quote that I really like. It's not mine, it's a Native American proverb, but it's just like a really good one. It's um we do not inherit the earth from our ancestors. We borrow it from our children. And I don't know, I just really like that one because it shows that like the earth isn't ours to screw up. It's ours to leave a good foundation for the next generation and to not just trash it because there's others after you. Yeah, that's a good quote. That I really like that one too. Um, I just really want to thank all the people in my community that have been supporting the work that Charlie and I uh, have been doing. And that includes you um, for having us on the podcast. Um, I just think it's really cool that so many people are helping us do something that doesn't directly benefit them. And I, I, I just think that's really cool. So I just wanted to thank Lots uh all the people that have helped Charlie and I get our voice heard. That's that's great. And you know, uh, for me, I have to say this definitely directly benefits me. You know, I started doing this podcast because 
I needed to have conversations with people about this because it was I was feeling so sad about it and also so unsure of what to do about it. Um, so it's been a gift to me that people were willing to have conversations with me about climate change. And, you know, just recently, I, I think I've done about 50 of these. And the last two have been with people who came to me through having listened to the podcast and having something to say. And it just felt really great for me to have gotten to that point. This must be a similar feeling that you guys have about, you know, the messages you get on your blog. So thank you for giving me that as well. I appreciate it. Thank a you. Lot. Oh yeah, my pleasure. And if, if there comes a point where, um, you know, you have some new developments or you want to talk again, I would love to hear from you. All right. All right. Well, thanks again and have a great Friday night. All right. All right. Thank you. See you. Bye. Bye.